Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Merrick Khan to talk about the four words to transform your sales. Merrick Khan is the CEO of Select, emphasis on sell, of Select Sales Development, author of Myth Shift, Challenging the Truths that Sabotage Success, co-host of the Smarter Sales Show podcast, And she is also a certified emotional intelligence coach and a certified speaking professional. Since 1998, Merit has worked with salespeople, entrepreneurs, professionals, and sales teams, teaching them how to stop selling and start getting selected by their ideal clients. I hope you enjoy this conversation as Merit and I talk about the four words that can transform your sales. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be joined here on the Leadership Habit Podcast with Merit Khan. And today we're going to be talking about the four words to transform your sales. I feel like everyone's probably like, what are those words, Merit? I want to know. But before that, before that, we're going to leave that as a teaser. Merit, can you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us about who you are. This is your second time back on the podcast. We are so happy to have you. You provide a wealth of knowledge. So if you could just reintroduce yourself to our listening audience. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. I am the CEO of Select Sales Development. Uh, We spell it S-E-L-L-E-C-T. That's deliberate, not a misspelling. Um, But we actually teach people to stop selling. And we want you to start getting selected by your ideal clients for your ideal kinds of projects. And that's really what we're all about. So we teach a, a framework that helps people really not just with the mechanics of selling, what to do or the action plans, what to what or what to say or what to do, but really the mindset of strong sales and strong influencers. So wait, I mean you made that sound simple, but here's the thing. If I like the audience might be like, what do you mean stop selling? What do you mean by that? Because that's my my job, right? If I want to generate revenue, what do you mean by that? Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe you've never gotten any of those pushy, aggressive sales messages through LinkedIn <laughs> or email, again, your voicemail, those people that knock on your door, like all of the all of the pushy, aggressive, salesy things that you're kind of hardwired to push against. Uh, we we don't teach people how to do that. Um Most of the people that we work with, people, what people really appreciate is, you know, they're professionals, they're experts at what they do, they're entrepreneurs, they're they're good in their area of expertise, and they don't necessarily want to feel like they're pushing their solutions on anybody. They really want to have what we call the new ABCs of selling. So it's no longer about always be closing, that's salesy and pushy. (laughs) Now it's about uh, authentic business conversations. And so that's when you are making that transition from sales old school, like how do, what do I say to close the deal and press hard? Third copy is yours. Is Tuesday or Thursday better? And once you get rid of all that nonsense, uh, you can really start to have authentic business conversations with your prospects and clients to determine together if there's a mutual benefit to do a transaction or create a relationship together and do some appropriate business. And that's what we're all about. We want to teach you how to ask the right questions and and create relationships that are truly those win-win partnerships. Oh my gosh. I mean, I love that you talked about the word authentic. 
I think that's so important. And I feel like, I don't know if it's that people today aren't necessarily being trained or educated on sales, but what I feel like I see as a consumer, as an individual more and more is I would say more aggressive sales to, oh, you haven't, you didn't respond to my email that I never asked you to send me. And they kind of get like worse and worse. And I'm actually very surprised because we're, I don't know how some of these things are being picked up, but I am seeing more and more of it. And so I am begging people to hire you because I want someone, (laughs) because you also said the second word appropriate. And, you know, I, I really do feel like there's a need for people to understand what is appropriate today. And just because you got my email does not give you permission to basically send me five, six emails when I never asked about your product. I mean, I don't like, I never asked. I didn't even know what your product was. I don't even know why you asked me. Like, and it's, I don't know. I think it's because when I get that second one, that's really rude. I'm then more frustrated. Like, why would I ever do business with you now ever? Even if I did think of you for anyone in the universe right now. (laughs) (laughs) And what you're speaking to is pretty common. It's, you know, nobody wants to feel sold. Nobody wants to be pushed into anything. We all want to make our own decisions. We want to make our selections and what people are forgetting. And, and actually I, you know, I'm guilty of this. And the first half of my sales career, I didn't really understand the value of this. Uh, But really the first step to a closed deal is always an open mind. And when you step over that, when you try to imagine that everything that you've got is is this perfect solution for somebody and you've got the right answers and you've got something there, you know, if everybody just knew about this, we'd close more deals, we'd have more clients. And so there's an excitement. I appreciate the excitement, the enthusiasm about your offers, but you haven't earned the right to pitch that yet. First, you and and also you're going to run the risk of ruining potential qualified prospects by not treating that them properly in the very beginning. Which the very first thing that you want to do is make sure that they're open to hearing your offers, your solutions, your ideas, your opportunities. Because if they're not, it's really no different than talking to a brick wall, right? Yeah, it's like they're not hearing you. So stop wasting your breath. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for saying that. Sorry that I went on my pain point. I am just <laughs> fatigued of hearing those messages and I just don't know where they've been picked up. But now we'll get into the topic at hand because I know even just with the knowledge and truth that you just shared right now, this is going to be a great conversation. So the four words to transform your sales. What are the four words, Merit? Well, if you're open to it, I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before I reveal those words. Are you okay? I am. All right. So there was a study done in Pepperdine University a number of years ago. They were trying to figure out if um, people were really identified themselves as being open-minded. So they asked people, would you rate yourself as more open-minded than the average? And 95% of people said yes. So... I don't know about you, Jen. Like, I don't know where you learned math, but I learned old math. I'm old, right? So in old math, those numbers don't work. 95% of us cannot be better than the average. Just doesn't work. Maybe new math. I don't know. Um, So if that's the truth, then when I ask you, are you interested in something? Hey, Jen, are you interested in 
uh, inviting me on the show to do a podcast. It's pretty easy for you, actually. Well, you, that's a bad example because you already know me and love me. Um, <laughs> but it would be easy for you to say no to that. Like you can be uninterested in something and it doesn't impact you. Like you'll sleep at night. No problem. Right. But if you want to identify as somebody who's open-minded and I ask you, are you open to inviting me back to do a second show on the podcast? It's pretty hard to say, no, I'm not open to it right. because that speaks to who you are in terms of your identity. So the magic oh. words, I know, right? So the four magic words that will transform sales. And I would argue pretty much anything else in life um, is, are you open to? And it's really as simple as that. Rather than asking somebody if they're interested in something, ask them if they're open to it and, and see what happens from there. I love that. Just, I mean, it's so simple, right? Are you like, instead of, are you interested? And plus, I feel like that gets added to like, Hey, let me know if you have any questions, if you're interested, but are you open to actually makes me stop and think? I love that. And you described that. I didn't even recognize the mind cycle that I just had (laughs) of thinking like, Oh yeah. Are you open to, because I think there is that piece of like, it's natural curiosity. That's, or I guess in your experience, how do you notice, like, how have you seen people apply that and change or transform their sales? Well, you mentioned LinkedIn. And so it seems like all of a sudden, you know, those of us who've been using LinkedIn for a really long time, you didn't used to get the sales, the the pushy, aggressive, lengthy sales messages, messages in your LinkedIn messaging. And so now we've kind of, they've already, we've already trained ourselves like, oh, that's, you know, not, not reading that one. Like that's a sales pitch. And so we're already not seeing it. So maybe just try this new approach. And if you're going to do an automated, you know, process in your LinkedIn, it, try just less is more. Try getting to them open first, because the truth of the matter is until they they opt in, in in a sense and say yes i am open to learning a little bit more then you're basically you know giving your sales pitch to the spam you know delete folder anyway so yes. th- none of that is making a difference so if you just tried a different approach and if you even got a few bites on that then you're actually able to deliver your full message to somebody who's actually open to hearing it so i would just try that and just say you know Hey, we haven't done business together. Would you be open to having a conversation to see if what you, what we do and what you might need is a match at all? It's a little harder to delete that. There's a curiosity factor and I'm not trying to sell you prematurely. Yes. Well, and I feel like there's a, that makes me feel like they're respecting me, my time, me as a person and whether or not I would even want to buy. I feel like there's an implied respect through those four words. I don't know if that is also an intentional piece, but it just feels much more, you're inviting me into the conversation, except instead of pushing all of your stuff and then yelling at me if I don't want it, which is how some of that stuff feels. Yeah. You picked up on it. It is respectful and it is an invitation and, and it does fundamentally feel different but it also sets the stage for the conversation, the authentic business conversation that you really do want to have. 
And you absolutely can't have that if they don't start with an open mind. So again, I, I always remind people, I'll say it a few times, the first step to a closed deal is always an open mind. And so we really want to be aware of that. That's not something that's baked into a typical sales process, right. you know, opening the other person's mind. But it's very simple. It's very quick. And it's really universal. In fact, um, I use the same question, whether you and I are meeting one-on-one for a sales conversation or I'm doing the opening keynote at a large conference, it, I open with the same question. And that is, have you already decided it can't get any better or are you open to a new possibility? And I mean, think about that. Have you already decided it can't get any better or are you open to a new possibility? When you ask that question, first of all, there's two people that have to answer that question. First, we need to ask ourselves because honestly, if I don't think anything's going to get better in my business, I'm not going to go to that networking event. I'm not paying to go to that conference. I'm not picking up the phone. I'm not, you know, renewing Sales Navigator on LinkedIn, right? There's a host of things that I'm not going to do if fundamentally I don't see any growth potential in my business. So that's the first thing. You have to first see more, you have to be open to new possibilities, maybe in an aspect of your business. Am I open to things being easier and the sales cycle being shorter? Okay. If I'm open to it now, I'm on the hunt for what are the ways that I can actually manifest that or maybe manifest the wrong woo woo word, um, <laughs> execute, right? Execute for all of the, the leaders. Shift. Just people. providing right. options. Right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> manifest if you want, but execute if that's more comfortable for you. It's the same thing. But first, nothing's going to happen unless you're open to that new possibility. So the first person we ask that question is of ourselves. The second person is that we ask that whoever we're in a conversation with about a sales. Uh, possibility. And so when I ask a prospect or an audience that question, they have to think about that. They have to ask themselves, you know, am I open to a new possibility or is this about as good as it's going to get? And when they ask themselves that question, the magic is whatever they come up with as the answer, that cannot be wrong. So I can't force you to be open, but if I ask you the question, then you ask yourself uh, and you discover for yourself that, yeah, yeah, I am open to a new possibility. And now it's a whole different starting point to a, a sales conversation. I, well, where do people get the starting point wrong? Because I, I love this. I can see that very clearly. Are you open to it? You know, you had talked about it creates curiosity. It allows someone to make that choice, conscious and intentional choice for themselves, whether they're ready to invest. And it sets the stage, as you had said, for that authentic connection. Where do people get this wrong? I mean, I know we talked about a few different examples, but what are you seeing? And maybe we should preface it as you're not incorrect but maybe your sales process has an opportunity to change. <laughs> like, are you open to? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's a there's actually a couple places where people get it wrong. So I'll say it like this. Um, most people in a sales conversation are, are really relying on the mechanics of selling, the what do I say? So they start with their quote unquote elevator pitch and they dump all over somebody like, here's all the ways that we can help you. And they start with the how instead of 
why, like nobody cares how you deliver your programs or your solutions or your products until they understand why it's an align in alignment with what their concerns and frustrations really are. So that's the first major mistake is people are just quickly getting to how they fix things without understanding why does that really need to be fixed in the first place. Um, The other thing that people are getting wrong is they're in an argument with reality about how they might be wired and how that impacts the words that come to them to even say in the first place. So let me unpack that a little bit. Slower. I was going to say, I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, but we we have what we call our open for business framework. So when we work with a company or an entrepreneur, when I'm doing a, a program for an organization, there's always three main components. You know, to be open for business is so much more than just having open office hours and you're able to transact business you know, do a a transaction, right? Being open for business, really open is it's beyond the motions and the actions of, of doing business. It's a mindset as well. It's an attitude. It's really being open to receive. It's being enthusiastic about the business. It's being prepared. Um, There's a lot that goes into that. So the framework is really mindset mechanics motion. So if you think about it, mindset is what you think. Mechanics is what you say. Motion is what you do. Now, I hate to use the pandemic as an example at this year, at this point, we're two years past all of the drama at this point, but it was a universal shared experience. It's a little hard not to pick on it. Right. So right. you me in an example. Salespeople, I was doing a lot of uh, webinars at er, you know early 2020. Um, because what people were frustrated with is they didn't know what was an appropriate conversation to have. You know, like, I know I should keep in touch with people. I know I should check in. I still think I need to sell something, but I'm not sure what's appropriate. And so I found myself really leaning a lot more on the emotional intelligence training and, and certification that I've had. And what I recognized was there's a there's a relationship between your level of empathy for others and your level of assertiveness for your own solutions. And when that was out of balance, it it was ineffective in a myriad of ways. So let's pretend you're you're a sales professional, you're a business leader, and you're making calls to your clients or prospects, and you're high empathy, but you have very little assertiveness. So that conversation is going to sound, no matter how, how well you're trained, uh, you're going to say, gosh, you know, it's really hard out there right now. And there's so much change. And are you okay? Is there anything I can do to help you? And you're going to feel good because you were putting yourself in their shoes and all of that. But you get off the phone, even knowing that what you have could really help them in this moment in time. But you don't offer it because you're high empathy, low assertiveness. I can think of so many times that I, as a business owner, as a coach, like have done that of, you know, you get in and you hear a client's needs and yes, you just start to like, I want to serve or fix or help. Oh my gosh. I can totally relate. Right. Okay. So let's, let's, that's one example. Then there's the other side of the coin, which is, uh, people who are highly assertive, not aggressive. Aggressive is mean. Assertive is grounded in your, solution and confident in your approach and all of that. Um, 
So if you're high assertive, but low empathy, and then you're making those calls that same time frame, well, now you're just kind of coming across as a jerk. It's like, do you not know that there's a, a global issue going on right now? Like, seriously, you're just trying to call me and sell me your widgets? Like, right? So right. Total, <laughs> total disconnect. What people really need, and I would argue this is true in any marketplace, no matter what is going on in the world, we won't always want to balance our level of empathy and assertiveness. And what that sounds like in actual language, using the four magic words, so listen for them, is, hey, I know things are really difficult out there. Um, I can't even imagine what's going on in your world. And I'd love for you to, you know, share whatever is happening. But if you're open to it, can we have a conversation about the one thing that is within our control and see if our solutions as it relates to business development strategies in these crazy times would be appropriate for helping you out of, you know, the situation that you're in right now? Now, the words, the actual words, and maybe I embellish, maybe it's a little longer than you might say it, but the premise is the same. It's I'm, I'm aware I want to balance my empathy for them and my assertiveness that I do have a solution that can help. And I'm not going to be quiet about it, especially if it's a challenging time and I can serve you right now. And the glue in between it is, would you be open to having a conversation about the part that we can control? So that's an example of really the importance of understanding how mindset plays in. Because no matter what I train you to say in the mechanics of selling, if we're layering that on top of you don't know where you stand with empathy, assertiveness, self-regard, optimism, flexibility, some of the other emotional intelligence attributes that we can test for, then you're at a, an incredible disadvantage because you don't know how to adjust your approach or your language um, in different situations. Which I think <clears throat> brings forth, or I guess the question for me is, you know, I know emotional intelligence. I love that this approach is really rooted in that. What do you do for the person? Like, I have to think that there is someone on LinkedIn that actually probably thinks that they have a balanced approach to both assertiveness and empathy. How, I'm not certain if you have the answer, but how do you work with clients to maybe develop that self-awareness around, hey, like maybe this approach probably could be dialed down or dialed up. Like, how do you help people generate that self-awareness? Well, uh, I I look at the ink on the paper. I do an actual assessment. I use a tool um, from multi-health systems um, out of Toronto and they've got a, a highly scientifically validated assessment tool. And that really does tell me, you know, it, it measures your level of self-awareness. So if there's a lack of self-awareness, then I know I have to read the report a little bit differently to help them see the reality of the their current wiring. What I love about that whole body of work is that it's a snapshot in time and it can change. And you can put some deliberate intention behind learning and growing and expanding your capacity in any of those areas that we can assess. But in particular, I, I always think it's interesting to look at the individual attributes, but it's always really the combinations and how they play together that really paint the full picture. And, you know, if you may have, you may not really see a finding the way that it, that others around you see it, but 
once you have that initial awareness, it just, it, it tunes you in to some of those uh, potential blind spots that could be sabotaging your success without even knowing it. So I guess it's another application for that. Are you open to question? Because, you know, it really, and you know, you could ask a question of somebody like, I know that you relate to yourself at, you experience yourself as being balanced in empathy and assertiveness. And the example that I shared, would you be open to sharing with me real world scenarios where maybe it's been a little out of balance or maybe, you know, you've experienced other people out of balance and you kind of just invite them to discover for themselves where it may not be as balanced as they thought. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head. If you find that you're reflecting and you're like, you know what, maybe I wasn't showing up in this way as balanced. You had said it, it can be changed. You can change. You can grow Uh, only if are you open to, or you are open to. (laughs) Right. But I feel like that's, you know, because I think with emotional intelligence, it does get really easy to beat yourself up around maybe how you didn't approach things in the past and how, yes, those relationships might be damaged or that person just maybe doesn't remember at all, but give yourself permission to change today. So your first piece is mindset. Anything else you would add about the open to business framework as it relates to mindset? Well, mindset really, it's more than the emotional piece. So I I want, I don't want to step over the other pieces. It's, you know, when I first started talking about the importance of a strong sales or leadership mindset, success mindset. You know, it's one of those things. Everybody goes, yeah, that makes so much sense. And then they leave and they're like, I have no idea what to do (laughs) to fix that or to figure out where I am. Like, what is my mindset? It seems so ambiguous. And I, I really worked hard to try to figure out what are the pieces of that puzzle. I came down to three. There's your internal mindset. That's what you say to yourself. Those are your beliefs, right? And you want to do like a beliefs inventory. Um, There might be things that you believe about money or the level of decision maker that you're comfortable talking with or the, the amount of money you think you're worth. And maybe that got set at a certain point in your career and then life changed or, you know, it used to be when I was in my twenties, I thought a hundred thousand dollars was a lot of money. And now I'm like, how does anybody live on that? (laughs) They're like, Oh my God. Right. So, but it's shifted because my, my life experience shifted, my needs shifted. Right. So, but if my money mindset didn't shift along with it, I'd be starving. So internal mind is an opportunity to take an inventory of the beliefs that you have about different things that are either supporting you or sabotaging you. And sometimes those hand-me-down beliefs, we need to hand back. And so that's the first piece. The second piece of the puzzle we call behavioral mindset. And that is what your actions say to other people. So that's, you know, you're probably familiar with behavioral style assessments, personality assessments, disc profiles, things like that. And that's understanding, you know, how your actions are going to be interpreted by other people and how to adjust your approach so that you can be better understood by someone else who has a different style than yours. And then that third piece is your emotional mindset, which we've talked about, but that's really how well you understand your own triggers how well you are in control of your own emotional responses and you understand how that 
how your emotions impact others around you. So those three pieces of the puzzle are very easy to identify. And then there's very different ways that we work with clients to make sure that they're strengthening their mindset in the appropriate ways that will help them have those awareness moments that then we can layer on the the training and the, the skills and the action plans that really work with their strengths. Crosscom is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crosscom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crosscom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crosscom.com. Okay, I have to ask this. It's probably a personal question, right? Uh-oh. How do you coach people? Because I, you know, one of the things that makes sales an intimidating thing to even pursue or to execute as an individual is the fear of rejection, which I know has to be tied to that emotional mindset or the behavioral mindset. How do you even coach people? Like, what would be your tips to manage rejection? Because that is still the hardest. That's, you know, the biggest reason of why I think you might be more assertive then is like, well, I'm just going to push it down your throat. Like, and I don't care. Um, but what do you say to that because that that's me. I'm sure there's so many other people that are like, I just am afraid to sell it because I'm afraid of being rejected. I actually think that the fear of rejection, the most effective way I've seen to deal with that fear of rejection is kind of coming in the back door. So we're, we're going to impact mindset, but we're going to do it through being in motion. And part of that is, again, it's that awareness. It's going through that exercise of, okay, I want to, I'm just making up numbers here. I want to close $100,000 in business and my average sale is $10,000. So clearly I need 10 of those, Mm -hmm. um, which automatically takes you from everyone in the universe is a prospect. If you could fog a mirror, you could buy my stuff and maybe, you know, and I'll reach my 10, my, my 10, you know, customers to, oh, I only need 10. That's not even one a month. Like, huh. So I think there's there's more power in the the reality again it does relate to emotional intelligence in the fact that we do want to have a sense of we can measure your level of reality testing and your level of optimism. So that's another great combination to look at for salespeople. Like I'm really high optimism and I really have to work at keeping reality in check, right? So that that's like the beginning of the year. I'm like, of course, I'm going to make my aggressive goals that I've never hit in my entire life. Like, of course, this is going to be that year. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, but then I have to be like, oh, you know, and then the reality is this is my actual capacity given the team that I have right now. And if I really want to reach that goal, I'm going to have to do something different about the team. I'm going to have to do something different about our offers, our marketing strategy. Like, 
there's work to do, right? So it's that balance of reality and optimism that's going to help you deal with that fear of rejection, you know, because I have to have a clear strategy to, to reach my goals and recognize that not everybody needs to fit in that picture and that that's okay. It's almost like, you know, it's, it's like dating. It's like, I'm not going to be a perfect fit for everybody. You're going to marry that one person. <laughs> That's the person. Right. You know? Just dating to find that person. No, I think that's a helpful way to look at it is like having optimism, the belief that it can work out, but also acknowledging reality and what might be the barriers or obstacles or constraints that you have that are getting in your way. And it's, it's not just you. There are other things outside of you that are going to impact yeah. that like the pandemic. Okay. So what is, so going into this, what is the second piece of your open to business framework? The second piece is all about the mechanics of selling. So that's really focused on what do you say? And there are pieces of the process. And I think that when, when, when people are winging it through the sales process, not only does it feel unorganized for your prospect and they get a sense of, I don't know if I can trust you because I'm not sure that either one of us knows what we're supposed to do next. Like it's not up to your prospect to guide you through how to sell your solutions. Right. And so you really want to be buttoned down with that, right? You you need to know where you are in the sales process. It it also eliminates a lot of the stress and the reason that people don't like to think of themselves as salespeople because they feel like they're pushy and aggressive because they don't have a roadmap for it. And so it's very simple. First, we start with investigation. Like who really are your ideal, what's the ideal profile? And um, and, and how do you approach that with a curiosity? So you're really looking for who's who's the right fit. And then you set an expectation, which is, you know, this is kind of how it works. And we're first gonna, I'm gonna ask you some questions. We're gonna determine if we kind of feel comfortable with each other to going on to the next step. And then if we do, you know, we'll make a decision. Would this make sense or, or it doesn't? It's an appropriate offer or it isn't. And so it's kind of like putting that frame around the whole process. And then you get into questioning. You know, there should never be a question that is ever asked of you at any time of, of the sales process where you don't feel like you are in control anymore. And if you've ever had that experience, somebody gives you an objection or they ask a question you weren't prepared for, like you should there's always a way to deal with that. And so I teach very in-depth, very easy questioning strategies so that you're never caught off guard. Once you have those things in place, then you can go on to qualification. And those are things like, you know, do they have pain, right? Like, is there a reason for them to buy? Do they have, you know, are they willing and able to make an investment to solve the problem? And does their decision-making people process all of that? Does that match with something that I'm comfortable working with it. So those are qualifiers. And at any point, somebody might not qualify for how you like to do business or or your offers or how much you charge or any of that. So that's the next piece. And then the final piece is Can I ask a um, quick question yeah. about the like about the because I, I want I want to ask about objections, but even in the investigation, because I feel like and whether it's someone that you know is within sales or even leaders of an organization, I think one of the most difficult pieces it, or that I see is that they try to be, as you said, like if they can fog up a mirror, or they can buy my, they try to be everything to everyone. So I'm curious, how do you help people actually 
No, you're not just shutting down business by saying no to someone. Because I noticed that people, they can be told that advice or like make sure, and from a business capacity, you know, make sure you're thinking about your core product and not deviating your innovation efforts from that. What do you give to kind of reduce that? I think, what is it, a scarcity mindset then that we have of just feeling afraid that if I if I niche down or if I really get specific, I'm going to miss opportunity. Um, how do you help people with that? I think that the the easiest way to help them through that is to help them see really the potential of the marketplace, even if they niche down to something pretty small. So in our, in, in my world, as an example, you could say that we provide sales training, coaching, consulting to anybody who sells anything, right? Like you could, but that's a, that's really hard to target. It's really hard to find them. You know, like AI doesn't program for that, right? Like I, Um, but instead, you know, we, we drill down, okay, well really in who do we, who do we not serve? Well, if you sell to governments, uh, you know, any, anything like that, like that's just, that's a whole nother animal. Like we don't touch that. Um, if you can click here by now, that's probably not our market. And we actually drill down to, it's still pretty broad, but it's, if you sell something custom, creative, it requires a consultation and not a click here to buy now. We've got something for you. Oh. Right? It's complex, creative, or con- or requires a consultation. That's when somebody, so that could speak to my engineering firms that I work with, um, my IT companies, my in- entrepreneurs, the woman who sells nonprofit to nonprofits. I mean, it's like there's a lot in there, but it, we're narrowing it down to a type of a process, not necessarily an industry or a decision maker. So there's lots of ways to narrow down your market without being concerned about whittling away so much at it that there's nothing left. You're going to like pick up the phone and call your very, you know, your two prospects. <laughs> I like you just described, it's just narrowing down. You're not closing opportunities. You're just yeah. narrowing the list. <laughs> And I know that I cut you off. I thought you were going to say a fourth thing, unless you were going to go into the third piece of the open to business framework. Oh, right. Uh, (laughs) No, well, the last piece of the mechanics step is presentation. But the thing that people get wrong is they get so excited about their solutions that they step over qualifications or questions um, because they feel like their solution is so good. It's going to do the selling for them. And yeah. If you're in a consultative sales process and your solutions are so good, then guess what? They don't need a salesperson. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> right. your stuff is so good. Like, you know, just like so, we're coming to you. You don't even have to ask. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you only want to, you want to make sure that you are only presenting appropriate offers to the appropriate, you know, because they match for that pr- prospect. And I, I have a whole online course on presenting proposals and how do you how do you set up the proposal? How do you go through all of that? I mean, there's a lot of meat in there, but at the, you know, at its bare bones, it's making sure you've gone through all the steps, checked off everything on the checklist before you get to that part where you're really providing that that solution and you know, closing a deal. 
I love the differentiate or just the distinction that you made of how important it is to balance, you know, going back to our earlier example, uh, the assertiveness with empathy, like your assertiveness might, your over assertiveness might show up in your mechanics piece by way of saying, everyone's going to want this. And that's yeah. not true. Well, I, is there a product, is there even a product or service that every single person on the planet would ever possibly want beyond water or like, I don't know. Well, <laughs> no, even water. I mean, now there's flavored water, there's bottled water, there's, you know, bubbly water. I mean, we don't even yeah. agree on that. Um, <laughs> it's that. If you really think I'm like, I don't know if there's one thing I could think of that everyone loves or just feels that they need in their lives, unless it's, you know, related to like me being alive. Um, I don't know what that is like. And I think, but maybe that example comes to mind because I think of that assertiveness. Maybe that's the way that I would think of it is like, Jen, this is why you can't have too high because you're not there for everyone. And like, just doing well, my own I, processing merit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. I'm like, I feel like I'm watching therapy in real time. Like, this is <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think it's fine to be not a perfect fit for everybody. And the more comfortable you are acknowledging that up front, um, it, it, some, some people use it like a strategy, like a technique, like a sales technique to say, you know, we're not a perfect fit for everybody, but if I could show you a way and they, they take this like good new sales principle, but they marry it with some old school, you know, thing that doesn't work anymore. Like don't, don't say if I can show you a way that's no one that's just pushy. Um, but I feel like, you know, it's okay to say, look, we're really not a perfect fit for everybody. So if you're open to it, let's just have a straightforward conversation. Like let's just, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm nothing to sell you or I'm not going to push any solutions. I don't even know if we're, if it's appropriate for us to do business together. So why don't we just take a first step, which is, let's have that conversation. Let's discover for each other, for ourselves, if there's enough of a match to, you know, have a deeper conversation. Like, let's start with 15 minutes. Is there enough that we could uncover in 15 minutes that leads us to, it's appropriate to have a next conversation. And in 15 minutes, I know my basic qualifiers, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm listening for, is it complex? Is it creative? Is it consultative? Is it high ticket? Because, you know, we're not the cheapest training outfit in town either. And my clients, if they're low, if they're selling based on price, we're not a match for them. I don't work with people like that. I don't want you to be the lowest price provider ever. You're never going to, you don't set yourself up to win that way. Right. So I know that there are certain qualifiers. I might as well get those out of the way first. And every one of my prospects is going to have that same deal. Right before we got on this podcast, I had a, a discovery call with a woman um, in Austin, Texas, and that's where our company is headquarters. But I'm in Denver, and I'm the you know the lead trainer. We have some trainers on the East Coast and and in the you know Central U.S. But you know, her first, I said, "How did you find out about us?" She said, "I looked up uh, sales training Austin," and I was like, mm, "Well, here we go." Like. We, you know, so, you know, like, all right, well, let me just ask you right out of the gate. Is it a deal breaker? You know, we, we are no longer doing right now. We're not doing our local training center that we have in Austin. We're not doing training in that delivery model right now. Are you okay? Are you open to a virtual training program? And she's like, oh yeah, actually that would be much better. Oh, okay. You know, so I didn't like, she, 
she was still qualified, even though that could have been a disqualifier right out of the gate. I love that. Like, and it's simple. I feel like just to ask your qualifiers, you're saving my time. You're saving your time. Yeah. Gosh, I feel like all of us would get time back if we, if we did ask those questions. Yeah. I, I think that's so important. I want to get into your third part of your framework, which is, I believe it was motion. Am I right by that? Yes. So motion is all about what do you do? And that's, you know, you start with your goals and then you build your action plan. You get really specific. But it's about measuring and tracking, make sure you have making sure you have the accountability structures in place to hold to make sure that you are going to reach your goals, that you're tracking well every week. You got to check in on these things. And so we, you know, we have tools and tracking systems that we use with clients to check in and make sure that they're holding themselves accountable or we're holding themselves accountable because the numbers don't lie. You know, if I if I see that you are, you're having a lot of discovery calls, initial conversations, but they're not leading to an equal number of, you know, presentations where you've, you've gone through the qualifiers and now you're presenting a solution. Well, then there's something wrong in that conversation or not wrong, but maybe that's, you know, are we putting the, are we having calls with the wrong people? Are we not saying the right things on those calls? Like, why aren't we leading to presentations? Or if you're having a lot of presentations, but very few are turning in, converting into closed business, well, then there's something wrong with the presentation. So let's use the numbers to tell us the stories to inform the coaching. Yeah. And the part that I think is easy to be afraid of, right? It's easy to look at that and be like, but I have one or I have a close rate of 20%. And I feel like I'll just say as a business owner, that's often the one that I like to hide from. It's like, I don't want to see the reality of what I think will happen. And then reflecting, because I think that's where the disappointment really sets it. That's where the, the, you know, that the, inner critic just starts to say, are you in the right path? Are you doing the right things? And so I love to hide from that, but obviously yeah. it's not an easy thing to hide from because you can look in the bank and be reminded. <laughs> like, you know, it's, there's no, there's no getting around it. You've got to know what your numbers are. You've, you've got to track your percentages so that you, but not in an, it, so it's not to make yourself wrong. It's to find the areas where you can improve. And I think there's two things that that make it a lot easier for people to come to grips with with tracking their numbers. And one is um, that they they let go of the make wrong part of this conversation. Um, they they lean into the fact that I have a you know, they have a growth mindset. That's really the first thing. They have a growth mindset. So they know that they can improve and the numbers are strictly a tool to help them find the specific areas to spend their time on that improvement uh, practice. And, you know, when you look at it like that, it's like, oh, you know, okay, numbers, got to check my numbers, but I'm learning. And so I think that helps a lot. And the other thing is just that reality testing piece, like, you know, balancing that out, like with optimism, like we talked about, as long as you can see a greater possibility, then the numbers are really just giving you access to make that a reality. Um, it, but it's not about, you know, we don't look track numbers to beat you up with them, um, just to inform how do we help? Well, and I love it. And to help you access what you want. Yeah. 
We need to understand that. Merritt, I've loved our conversation. How I, I know I'm going to reinforce this with the bumper, but I, I always love it when, when our guests share it. How can people get in touch with you? How can they have you help them with their sales? Because I would actually appreciate it if more people did so then I don't get harassing emails. So if you could help them with that, uh, but how can they get in touch with you? I think the best thing that what I'd really like to offer people is uh, an opportunity to do an online assessment. Um, it's very, it, it does, it's a, it's pretty in-depth. It's our sales SWAT on steroids, we like to call it. Um, so, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, but we're just looking at that sales. We're looking at the specific components of that open for business framework. So mindset, mechanics, motion. So if you go to meritcon.com forward slash podcast, so M-E-R-I-T-K-A-H-N forward slash podcast, that'll take you to a page. There's a free download that explains a little bit more about the open for business framework. We're always adding some new resources to that page, but there's a link to take you to um, this online assessment. And let me tell you, Jen, what is, I won't always be able to offer it like this, but for the time being, until we're way overloaded with it, uh, I will continue to make this pledge. I actually review personally all of the information that comes in through those SWOT assessments. And I do a personalized, 100% custom, hi, Jen, video to you um, to take you through what I see from the way that you answered that report. Oh and my gosh. I know it's, it's you literally like an insane. instant partner from taking that. That's fantastic. Yes. Um, eventually, we will get to the point where we need to automate that and it won't be as personal. But I really believe that it's a great tool. It's been very eye-opening. It's, you know, yes, you may want to talk to us more about how we specifically can work with you on these things, but I will give you some very pinpoint um, feedback on what you can do and what's the right part of that framework to start to work and, and make some progress for you. So highly recommend, take me up on that. It is, it's a hell of an offer, I must say. Um, yeah. And then also on that site, if you wanted to learn a little bit more about the select sales training uh, offers, there's a training tab on the MeritCon site. Want to know about the speaking engagements I do for companies and associations, conferences. There's information about that. And then there's always a let's talk button. Book 15 minutes on my calendar. I don't know if we should work together. Let's have a conversation. If you're open to it, take it, take me up on that too. Oh my gosh. You just really laid down some offerings there. I love that. But Merit, what I really appreciated was just walking through and just giving it and making it accessible and also answering probably some of my personal and likely other people's questions too. Thank you for giving the Leadership Habit community your time, your expertise, and your passion. I was so thrilled to have you back on the show. So thank you again. Thanks, Jen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I loved my conversation with Merritt and I just felt like it was stimulating and it helped me gain the confidence that I needed to even approach sales in a different way. And of course, she just shared a great offer with all of our audience. So if you want to have access to Merritt's free online SWOT assessment and get feedback directly from Merritt, you can head on over to MeritCon.com backslash podcast or you can find that link in our show notes. It's spelled Merit, M-E-R-T, con, K-A-H-N, dot com, backslash podcast. 
If you know someone that maybe is struggling with sales or maybe they're just getting into the sales part of their business, share this episode with them. Spread that well. And of course, if you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next time.